if you can shift your mindset around more and more people are willing to accept women in the workplace, at least that's been my experience and observation. If you go in Mm -hmm. with that attitude, as opposed to, I know I'm not welcome here. So nobody's going to ever accept me. If you can shift the mindset around, you know what, I am well educated and well trained, and I can contribute and to this business to this operation to this team, I think that that will get us all further in our in our endeavors in the automotive industry. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Mechanics, I want to hear from you. I want to get your feedback and I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. I'm always interested in figuring out ways to make it better. You can leave your feedback by calling 614-636-2240. Again, that's 614-636-2240. Drop me a line and who knows, you may hear yourself on the podcast. Rachel Burton is in the driver's seat today. She is the owner of a consulting firm called Wrench Wench LLC, where she does technical consulting and training for OEMs on renewable fuels. She was trained as an auto diesel mechanic, worked at dealerships and indie garages, and then taught high school and college auto tech before starting her own biofuel production business. Sit back and enjoy the show, Femcanics. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you with Rachel Burton in the driver's seat. How you doing, Rachel? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Absolutely. So we actually met via Instagram and you shared just high level a little bit of your story around biofuels. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so interesting. And I honestly don't know a ton about it. So I thought, let me get your backstory. And then we're going to do another recording where it'll be a shop talk recording where we will be diving into some of the technical details around biofuels. So that's correct. Cool. Really excited about that, but let's introduce you to the community first. So how did you get started in the automotive industry? I got started in the automotive industry, I guess it was, dare I say, over 15 years ago. And I was taking a class. I thought I was going to be a farmer before I became a mechanic. Sometimes people are farmers and mechanics, but I was taking a class class um, as part of an agricultural science program and tractors, tillers, and lawnmowers is basically small engine repair. And the person who taught the small engine repair class was also the high school automotive tech teacher at the local community college. And I had recently bought an old pickup truck and because i needed a pickup truck to start my farm. And that pickup truck, um, the transmission went out on it. Basically, I lost a couple of synchronizers in the transmission. I didn't know what that meant at the time. But he uh, said that he would be willing to 
show me how to repair and replace my transmission in my beat up old pickup truck. Since I had been working with him as a student in the small engine repair shop. And so that's what I did. I, he said, go to this place, get a used transmission and go pick up a clutch kit and, and I'll show you how to do it. And I spent, I think a day and a half learning how to pull out a transmission and install a clutch kit. And I was, I was hooked after that. And this, uh, teacher, the automotive teacher convinced me, he was like, girl, you ain't half bad at this. And he convinced me to go to auto mechanic school after that. Um, And I think it's kind of a longer story that gets into the biofuel section. But um, Uh in in North Carolina, where I'm located at the time, um, they had a women in non-traditional careers scholarship. So if a woman wanted to go into motorcycle mechanics, uh, auto diesel mechanics, uh, electrical engineer, industrial maintenance and welding, you could apply to the program. And if you're accepted to the program, which they generally accepted most most anyone, and you had good grades, uh, they would pay for your books and a set of tools and help you find a job. Um, so it was, it was at the time it was called a sex equity grant. And so I was a recipient of the sex equity grant in North Carolina. It's an interesting topic or an interesting name for it. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, what? I, don't know if, I don't know if they call it that now or if the program even exists. Um, but I was grateful that the program existed at the time um, yeah. because that's, that's how I got my education and automotive technology. And so I went to school for two years in Sanford, North Carolina, and received my uh, associate's degree in automotive technology. And then I had a job placement at a local dealership. So I worked for a GM uh, General Motors dealership for over a year or so. And then that was the one that were where I was placed and I did job shadowing and then was hired full-time uh, that, upon that's I mean graduation. that's a really good opportunity because a, a lot of women that I talk to often struggle with trying to find work once they graduate from any automotive tech school so the fact that they helped you get placed is great yes I mean the person who was basically my mentor uh, this guy named Holbert Mundy he's the one that convinced me to go to auto mechanic school and then was also the person that helped um, kind of pave or open the door so that I could get the job at the local dealership. So it's super it's grateful funny. for he he completely believed uh, believed in me even after seeing me you know fumble through a transmission replacement. <laughs> Well, it's funny because when, you, as I listened to your story, you started off just thinking you're going to be a farm girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and how are, when through a series of yeses and kind of diving in, um, how it can just dynamically change your course in your life. I love it. Absolutely. I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. Yeah. But it, it definitely changed um, my career path for the better. So I'm super grateful for that, for the program that uh, basically helped put me to school and find me a job and buy me tools to yeah. get me started. 
you, you can't beat that. Now, now, how long were you at that dealership? Um, I was there over a little over a year, and then I moved to another dealership for a while. And then I also worked at a couple independent garages. Um, and then it wasn't too many years where I actually was recruited back from the community college. There, I, I can't. Remember, I was kind of in between dealership or, or garages, and they said, "Hey, well, if you have time, would you like to teach a class?" part-time. So I started teaching part-time at both uh, first at the high school level. So I just started teaching kind of like the intro engine maintenance, um, tires, you know, that suspension, steering and suspension, electrical systems uh, for the high school kids because they had a, they could go to high school and get college credit for the classes that they would take. And if any of those students wanted to go on for a two-year degree, they could apply those same classes into the community college. So I was teaching, I was an employee of the community college part-time. And then that's around that time is when I got interested in the biofuels side of things. Rachel, let me back up one. Sure. I want to make sure. So you did purely um, mechanical work. Correct. Okay. And then when that's what you were teaching as well was the mechanical work. That's correct. So yeah, my, my degree was a associate in automotive technology and I was a tech, uh, a service technician for, and then I taught service. I had a couple of ASCs. They're not current. They're not current now because that's not really required by what I do, but Mm -hmm. um, those were the, you know, I was part of the North Carolina Community College System, and it was a NATEF accredited program. Got it. Okay. So once you got into teaching, then that's when it kind of, like, what sparked your interest? Anything or any event or anyone specifically? Because even though you're in automotive, that doesn't necessarily veer towards bio. I think part of it was because the local community college was also an agricultural college. That's where I was taking the same courses in agriculture. And so there was an interest in um, kind of combining, you know, some agricultural science with the automotive technology. And there was, I think at the time, due to some of the kind of political considerations and petroleum pricing, people were looking at, are there alternatives um, to, to gasoline? You know, think people were starting to look at hydrogen and very early on electrical vehicles and battery powered vehicles and biofuels was something that was kind of up and coming. And I was like, well, I have a little background in in the agricultural science piece and I have experience in the automotive. Wouldn't it be interesting if you could fuel your car with something you could grow? So that's kind of where my interest came came from. And it was also I was I was teaching emissions control systems and interested in, you know, if there's these different standards around trying to reduce the emissions that come out of the tailpipe, are there things that we can put inside the fuel tank that could change those emissions and and biofuels can be one of those things. Now, just so folks, uh, I don't want to assume people know what biofuels are or even people who think they know what they are and maybe it's just expanded. 
Can you help me and the listeners understand what what could be a biofuel? Sure. So when I kind of talk about the umbrella of biofuels, I'm most of my personal experience is with basically diesel fuel that's made from fats, oils, and greases. So think about um, the restaurant fryer oil, what you fry your French fries in, and it gets collected, cleaned up in and basically reprocessed into diesel fuel. That, I, I, I'm laughing yeah. on this. <laughs> I know. I, I know it seems ridiculous, but it is a well-known um, chemical process. And people, and you know, many of the engine manufacturers approve a wide variety of blends of biodiesel into diesel fuel today. Um, and then the other biofuel, which probably more people are 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 familiar with is uh, if you go to the gas tank, you might see this gasoline may contain up to 10% ethanol. And in this country, it's generally manufactured from corn, but it can be manufactured from a lot of different materials, starch-based materials, waste-based materials. In Brazil, it's made from, can be made from sugar cane. I just got back from a, a trip to Brazil and got to see some very interesting sites uh, for sugarcane manufacturing. Wow. Um, so in, in the U.S., you know, the biofuels for diesel engines is called biodiesel and biofuels for gasoline engines is considered. Uh, and so each one, you know, is manufactured to meet the engine manufacturer's requirements like their fuel specifications so that it can blend in. Uh, with our typical gasoline and diesel infrastructure. I mean, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds with it because we're going to have our shop talk conversation as well. But I want to kind of explore what your experience as a female, because in the automotive industry, there's definitely more men than women in it. And I imagine diving into the biofuels space that there's even less women, but I don't want to assume. But has that been your experience? I would say um, definitely uh, for the most part, I would say there's not a majority women, but there have been over the past, um, at least my experience in past 10 years of being involved in different organizations uh, in biofuels, that there are women in leadership positions and ownership positions of of either building their own facilities or um, there's been a a very uh, unique group, awesome group of women in California that I've been friends with. I don't think it's all women, but the Biofuel Oasis, they had you know, gas station that uh, sold uh, biofuels there. So yes, it's not typically, not women haven't been leading all the time in that industry, but I would say that we have had some uh, some good leadership, more leadership now over the last five years. Now, what has been your experience as a female in the industry? Because you said that you had a male mentor that kind of started you down the path. Is there any defining moments? Uh, let's see. Yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of uh, supportive um, male mentors and getting me into automotive technology and uh, stay, and staying with it. But that doesn't mean that there definitely weren't um, some roadblock of other mechanics that I worked with that both challenged and uh, questioned my my existence in the shop. I recall one t- one time that there was one mechanic who just he 
one, he just assumed, uh, you know, certain sexual and gender and identity around, well, you can't like cars and be this kind of person. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was basically, well, you have to be a lesbian if you (laughs) like cars. I was like, of course. Okay. That was, that was the box that he had to put, put me in. Um, But, you know, that's, that was his own thing. Um, But at the same time, in that same dealership over time, the guys would, they played some jokes on me, but it was because, you know, because I became one of the crew. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, there's, there's demeaning jokes and then there's, I'm joking with you because, um, I would, I would do you're this one to, of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, endearment. Yep. So um, I'm just curious, how did you, in those situations, how did you handle it? And, I, and the reason why I'm digging into this is as women listen to this and men, men listen to this, uh, it, it's given tools on when we're in situations like this, they get to learn how other women handle it. I would say I was very young early on in my career. And so some of, a, I probably took it more personally then than I would now. Um, but looking back, I, think that I had a a more supportive community than I knew. I kind of assumed that everybody going in wasn't going to accept me. So I I think if if you can shift your mindset around more and more people are willing to accept women in the workplace, at least that's been my experience and observation. If you go in Mm -hmm. with that attitude, as opposed to, I know I'm not welcome here, so yeah. nobody's going to ever accept me. If you can shift <clears throat> the, the mindset around, you know what, I am well educated and well trained, and I can contribute in, to this business, to this operation, to this team. I think that that will get us all further in our in our endeavors in the automotive industry. No, that, that makes sense. I do want to talk about your proudest career accomplishment and what you listed here was building a certified national training program for diesel mechanic and then traveling to implement the program at OEMs and tech schools. That's no small feat. How, how did you end up going down that path? That's like next level stuff right there. I know. I, I, there were many times that I would, I would have to, when I was actually visiting some of these facilities, I would have to literally pinch myself and say, I can't believe I'm the person standing up here training these people about biofuels. Uh, I feel so honored um, and privileged. But after being involved uh, specifically in the biodiesel industry for many years, I was hired as a contractor uh, with the National Biodiesel Board, which is um, a biofuels advocacy group. And Mm -hmm. I worked with the technical team at the National Biodiesel Board to help build uh, a diesel mechanic training program. Wow. And because of my previous experience with ASE and NATEF certified curriculums, I was able to kind of take a small curriculum on diesel engines, fuel quality, how biodiesel interacts with different fuel systems, as well as uh, engine and emission systems. So we kind of packaged uh, this curriculum and got it accredited by um, ASE 
or their their case program, which is kind of a, a continuing education program if you're outside of a two-year degree program. And then we worked with um, both uh, public kind of community college systems as well as some of the private private colleges like Universal Technical Institute um, to uh, disseminate and train the technicians um, at their campuses. So uh, one of I, I think one of the most uh, amazing training experience that I ever had was I, I own an older 1989 Dodge D250 diesel pickup truck that I have um, is fe- affectionately known as my grease goat. Um, <laughs> although it's a Ram on uh, on the, it's really a Dodge Ram, not a goat. Um, but I got to train the um, engine uh, technicians who worked at the Cummins facility that built the engine that was in my truck. And I was like, I can't, I can't believe I'm here at the Cummins facility and I get to train about biodiesel. Like it was kind of a bucket list thing. Wow. I listened to your stories and I'm just, I don't blame you for being in these situations and you're like pinching yourself because you get to be the, literally the catalyst to go through these things and really go to that next level. And something that is, I mean, it's explored, but not largely explored yet. Yeah. There's still a lot of, a lot of opportunity out there for it. And I would encourage other people to, other women specifically to do things like that, because you'll find, I, I have found a lot of um, value and being able to kind of share knowledge with with other groups and that there's there are agencies that are hungry for um, things like, you know, a curriculum to implement into their company. Wow. That that's just absolutely amazing. And and I think and, like case, case the people who certified my curriculum mm-hmm. if there was anybody in our in our community here that was like I'm really interested in building a curriculum around this kind of specific technical um, application whether it was in you know the motorcycle arena or body mechanics or some uh, something that they would be open to it. And I think it's a good way to kind of get your message out. Oh, I mean, just talk about that. There's going to be people that listen to this podcast and their minds are just blown. Meaning, you know, we often think about certain things for automotive we associate with it. And, you know, I kind of think about autoglass. People don't connect autoglass with cars as well, but there's, I work at Safe Light Autoglass. And I mean, there's a whole, you know, company just surrounding just glass. Uh, so it's, it's interesting perspective and I'm, and I'm hesitant in digging too much into it because I know we're going to have the shop talk, uh, where we get into the nitty gritties of it, which I'm really excited to learn about. I'm looking forward to sharing about it. So yeah, there's, I think there's, there's a lot of information that, you know, as we see the influx of all types of alternative modes of transportation, like electric vehicles and other kinds of transportation like that, there's more opportunity for kind of educating um, your community about how they can access new information and new technologies. Wow. And what are you doing now? So nowadays, I I am not doing as much uh, technical training for the National Biodiesel Board. 
but um, I'm doing more process consulting with different um, biofuel manufacturing companies. So I've kind of leaned away from doing actual in the shop work and training in that, but kind of looking more into larger industrial process optimization. So like working in, in some of the biofuel plants with different parts of, it's like a motor is a motor is a motor. You just have to kind of like the concept around how this motor works, you know, translates from from the engine all the way into like chemical processing. So I'm not formally trained as a chemical engineer, but sometimes I, I feel like I'm, I wear a hard hat of one. So it's kind of been an interesting um, <laughs> transition or kind of uh, segue into a different part of the industry. Wow. Well, I tell you what, Rachel, your your journey is absolutely amazing. And if you're up to the red line round where it's five rapid fire questions, there's no right or wrong answer to it. Okay. Whatever pops into your head first is the right answer. Okay, go for it. You up for it? Mm-hmm. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Just because I've I've mentioned it in the past, um, I would say the person who my uh, my friend and kind of mentor Holbert Mundy. He was basically the instigator and supporter. He believed in me and kept uh, telling me to keep going. Love it. All right, number two. Where do you go, or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new? or get stuck on a job? Um, I would say, let's see, um, I have a number of, actually, Twitter is one, just trying to find interesting, different things that may not come across my normal kind of information. And I actually, this might sound really super nerdy, but I actually do literature searches in like uh, academic journals. That's pretty cool because I haven't heard that before. And I asked this question to spark, you know, for other women. I I think that's outstanding. I didn't even think about that. Where do you go to access that? I mean, sometimes you can, there are free journals, open access journals just available on the internet. And then I, you know, I had a, a kind of a, a slew, I, I would say, of trusted advisors that I might go to in the industry that have many years of experience, some people at the National Renewable Energy Lab or different universities that have many years of experience in researching certain engines or fuels. Uh-huh. So uh, those are other people of like, if I really have a tough question, uh, I'm like, you know what? I think Bob might know the answer on that one. (laughs) Or my friend, Teresa. What excites you most about what you do, Rachel? I think learning new things um, and being able to see people trying to make a difference. I think specifically with biofuels, people are looking at trying to have an impact on climate change and, and still working with kind of our existing internal combustion infrastructure that we have and connecting with the people who have passion in that way. It's infectious, isn't it? It is. I led a uh, women's committee meeting on Monday where here at Safe Flight, it was all women and all we were doing was talking about how do we bring more women into the field? And there's just something electric when you get a group of people together that are all passionate about the same thing. I know. I 
I used to do these um, how to learn how to change a tire and check your oil things for a local women's center for for young women that are like we're turning 16 and about to get their their license uh, driver's license and I think that was one of the one of my favorite kind of women's women's empowerment type of thing of like not only are these young women about to learn how to, they're learning how to drive but they actually have the the knowledge of like I know a little bit or some more about how this thing works mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's also why I was always attracted to learning more about automotive technology is just being empowered to to know how the thing runs and works so that somebody can, couldn't tell me otherwise. Yeah, I I can totally relate to that. <laughs> so what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in your industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? I think leaning on my mentors, uh, either either ones that I've had in the past or people, new people that are um, I consider either colleagues or mentors around you know the challenges that I'm having um, and that other people are have similar challenges and just being able to have a sounding board. But at the same time, um, as I've been in the industry a little bit longer, I've actually learned to be a mentor myself for Mm -hmm. other women that are up and coming as well. And I find that that's being a mentor also helps me kind of work through my own challenges. That is so true. It's kind of like um, coaches and counselors. It's not that they have it all figured out. And sometimes through teaching other people, it's really giving yourself space to hear it all over again. It's like, it's like your own, you are your own therapist, but you didn't know it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? I would say one of the things that I might have, I wish I had heard a little bit more when I was a younger mechanic up and coming is this kind of attitude of sticking with it or holding fast or perseverance. And that you may not know that you, that someone is looking up to you or sees your work as inspirational. Um, but I've had um, people that have come up to me years later say, hey, I remember when you worked over at the Ford dealership. I didn't, I didn't know that women were, could do that kind of work. I mean, it was a while ago, but knowing that you are a role model and that you should kind of hold fast to to what you what you believe in and and not give up. Very well said. Rachel, where and how can people connect with you? I'm available on Instagram. I follow the Fem Mechanic group. I'm also available as Ranch Wench uh, on Twitter. I love that name, that handle, by the way. <laughs> believe it or not, my my mother came up with it. And you so said it kind it, of fast, it, so I want to make sure people hear it. It's Ranch Wench, yeah. right? I think it's awesome. (laughs) I love it. Now, I'm just curious because so far of the guests that I've had, it's been Facebook and Instagram, but you are really um, honed into Twitter now. No, I'm I'm probably more active on Instagram, but um, 
I, I think I put, post more automotive and biofuels things related on Twitter. My Instagram probably, is probably more of my kids. So biofuels evidently has a pretty big showing in Twitter then. Yes, I, I would say that that is pretty common. Huh, that's cool. I didn't know. I wouldn't have thought, I'm, thought to go there. You also mentioned that as a resource as well. It's something that I, I look at for just kind of uh, technology, where people are, are innovating on the technology space. That's great insight. Rachel, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. I'm probably speaking for a lot of people in the Femcanic community as well. I'm super excited to dive into the shop talk and get into some of the nitty gritty details around biofuels and learn even more and your willingness to teach us. Well, I was delighted to, to participate and I'm looking forward to our shop talk too. My name is Rachel Burton, and I am an auto diesel mechanic and biofuels consultant, and I am a femcanic. Amy Lee is in the driver's seat next. She's a graduate of Dunwoody College with an associate's degree of applied science in the Honda Acura Professional Automotive Career Training Program. She was one of two women in the automotive degree program that graduated. During the interview, we dive into what it's like being a queer Asian-American female in the automotive industry. You won't want to miss this. Tune in, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?